The manhunt for Brian continues, with not much coming to fruition. However, new details do paint a clearer picture of what the Laundries were up to and how controlling and abusive Brian actually was towards Gabby, with his anger escalating throughout their trip and what happened in her last moments. So she walks out, she's upset, she's crying, and he's like more angry. Like you could tell like she's, it's more sadness for her and she's crying for some reason. I don't know reason. I don't know if she was embarrassed or what. People want to know how I'm feeling and that's, I'm feeling, I'm upset. You know, I want to just turn yourself in. That's all I wanted. But uh, it's just getting more and more frustrating as days go on. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's taking so long. I'm Dr. Brent Blue, uh, Teton County, Wyoming coroner. After a detailed investigation by our forensic pathologist, our anthropologist, and local law enforcement, with assistance from the FBI, the Teton County Coroner's Office is following the following verdict. In the manner of death of Gabrielle Lenora Petito, we find the cause and manner to be caused death by strangulation and manner uh, is homicide. You're listening to Speaking of Crime. There have been a lot of missing persons cases making news since this past summer, and Robert Lowry, whose story we talked about in the first episode of the season, has also been missing since mid-August in the same vicinity. He disappeared after flying to Jackson Hole on August 19th and taking a ride-sharing car to Wilson. Robert's sister, Lee, said her brother took the trip after leaving his real estate job in Houston. He was seen on a trail in Bridger Teton National Forest the next day, but no one had heard from him since then. The national attention and increased efforts to find Gabby led to two people coming forward with new information, which in turn helped search and rescue teams to locate Robert. Hikers told authorities they had seen Bob on the Black Canyon Trail on August 20th, sitting on a rock wearing a black baseball cap with a gold P and carrying a black Nike duffel bag. Sadly, his body was found on September 28th near the Black Canyon Trail in the Bridger Teton National Forest. The Teton County Search and Rescue Team, with the aid of search dogs, found Robert's body off the trail on a steep wooded slope. It took 25 volunteers hiking more than 75 miles, combing the thick timbered area surrounding Black Canyon to locate him. Robert died of suicide by a single gunshot wound to the head. Lowry's sisters, Lee and Anne, created a GoFundMe campaign to raise money for Robert's children, his 12-year-old daughter Meredith and 15-year-old son Luke. As of mid-October, the campaign had raised over $50,000. The GoFundMe page states, the children will have the unconditional love and support of our full extended family. However, in the wake of their father's unexpected death, we want to ensure that they are best set up for their future. Regardless of monetary contribution, please know that we have felt the continued love, support, and prayers from our community, family, and friends throughout this tragedy. Thank you all from the bottom of our hearts.
Gabby's stepfather, Jim, shared that the couple's cross-country road trip came after their plans for a low-key beach wedding in Florida were postponed due to COVID. The couple kind of put it on hold, as Jim put it. That's what led to their main focus becoming the cross-country trip. The trip was planned out for over a year. It was something that Gabby really wanted to do, and the couple had put a lot of time and effort into making it happen. From quitting their jobs to converting the van to create a mobile home, it should have been a trip of a lifetime. Another person has come forward who had an encounter with Brian and Gabby during their cross-country trip. Sonny Mason, who works at Victor Emporium, a Wyoming ice cream shop, says the couple stopped by on either August 25th or August 26th. The ice cream shop is located just 30 miles from Grand Teton National Park. Sunny told a local news outlet that she remembered bonding with Gabby over the flower tattoo on her left arm, and that Gabby had mentioned they were on a cross-country road trip and heading to Yellowstone next. She said she found Brian's behavior strange, saying this, It felt to me that he almost prompted her to tell me that she was engaged. We get a lot of engaged couples, and it doesn't usually come up that way. It just felt kind of odd, like it was a reminder to her to be like, oh, look, we're engaged. The sighting aligns with what the owner of the rustic Rowan Victor said as well. If you recall, she said the couple spent about 15 to 20 minutes in the store, and they mentioned they were thinking of going to Yellowstone. The interesting thing she said is this. They seemed happy when they left, and she hollered back from the door that they were engaged, and I said congratulations. In hindsight, now knowing that Brian may have been prompting Gabby to tell people that they were engaged, we see these exchanges in a different light. One that shows Brian being controlling and exerting power over her. Domestic violence is a pattern of behaviors used to gain or maintain power and control over another person. Signs of emotional abuse include putting the other person down, making them think they are crazy, and shifting responsibility for abusive behavior. We witnessed Brian exert all of these behaviors in the body cam footage when police pulled the couple over. My vibe is like, I, I am like in a bad mood. And I was just saying, I'm sorry if I'm in a bad mood. I'm just really stressed. I had so much work I was doing on my computer this morning. What do you do for a living? Um, well, I, I hate to get an organic juice bar, but I just hit my job. Okay. I was a nutritionist. That's, oh, what, okay. that's my that's job. Cool. And I just um, hit my job to travel across the country. Trying to start a blog. Okay. So I've been building my website. So I've just been really stressed, and he doesn't really believe that I could do any of it. So that's kind of been like a. I don't know. He's like down there. I don't know. We've just been fighting all morning, and and he wouldn't let me in the car before. And then Why I, wouldn't he let you in the car? Because he, told, he, cause me he OCD? told me I needed to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm perfectly calm. I'm calm all the time. Nina Angelo, who was the last person to see Gabby alive in Wyoming, had this to say about what she witnessed. Ow. I did not put two and two together that this happened. Like, I don't know. So I'm following this case 
Matt's not, he's a guy, he has other shit going on, he could probably care less. I'm filling him in on this case a couple days ago and, and I guess maybe he Googled it and saw a picture of Brian. Anyway, we were in Wyoming, so Matt woke up this morning and he's freaking out and he's like, oh my God, I know, I know how he looks familiar. Nina, we saw them in Wyoming, they were the couple fighting at the restaurant. We were at this restaurant, you guys, Friday, August 27th, 1 p.m., sitting right next to them. They got kicked out of the restaurant and were fighting with the hostess. They were fighting with the hostess. She was hysterically crying and she walked out and she, she was crying and she was staying on the sidewalk and I was watching the whole thing unfold. And he walked back in the restaurant and he's fighting with the hostess. And we, I, I didn't know what happened. I don't even know if they got kicked out, but they like left abruptly. And like, she was standing on the sidewalk crying and he walked back in and was like screaming at the hostess and then walked back out. And then he walked back in like four more times to talk to the manager and to like tell the hostess off. And like, doesn't happen every day at a restaurant. The way he, the way he was acting, she was crying. She was upset. This had to happen right before she died. So she walks out, she's upset, she's crying, and he's like more angry. Like you could tell like she's, it's more sadness for her and she's crying for some reason. I don't know reason. I don't know if she was embarrassed or what, cause I don't know, I put it here. I don't know what was going on. I'll, I could just see what was unfolding. And so she's standing on the sidewalk. I could see her through the front door and she's standing on the sidewalk crying. And he walks out with her, but then like right away, turns around, walks right back in. And he's, you know, kind of like violently like talking to the hostess. And he, you could tell he's angry. And um, and she, they're just kind of like doing the whole like, like, sorry, like we don't know what to tell you kind of thing. You could tell he, he was relentless. He wouldn't drop it. Whatever it was, he wouldn't drop it. He walked out, he walked back in the restaurant probably four more times um, just to kind of make a scene and just to get his point across, which, you know, I don't know what that was. I really don't know what happened, but she, and she just apologized. I think she was telling him like, come on, like just drop it, let's go. And she like looked at the hostess and she was just like, like I'm sorry. And that was it. Northport Police spokesman Josh Taylor has said that although nothing linked to Brian had been found inside the reserve, their efforts will continue there until they have better information. Police also revealed that when they visited the laundry home back on September 11th, as part of the investigation into Gabby's disappearance, Brian was not actually seen and there was no opportunity to speak with him. And as you may remember, when police spoke with Brian's parents on September 17th, they reported him missing, but refused to address Gabby's disappearance or answer any questions about her, which police described as odd. Brian's parents said they would only talk about their own missing son and had their lawyer on the phone the entire time. Dog the Bounty Hunter has continued to insert himself into the investigation and has received much criticism that he's only doing so as a publicity stunt. His own daughter, Cecily Chapman, had this to say, he needs to back off and let the FBI handle it. It's just a publicity stunt. That's really what it is. 
Dog took part along with John Walsh in a special episode about Gabby on Investigation Discovery, both claiming they know what Brian and the Laundries are up to, to which Laundries lawyer Bertolino responded with, Dusty relics like that dog and John Walsh need a tragic situation like this so they can clear the cobwebs off their names and give their publicity-hungry egos some food. Yet, there was enough criticism to go all around. Dog responded with his own facetious comeback. It's ironic that Mr. Bertolino would criticize the people trying to find Brian Laundrie, unless perhaps he doesn't want him to be found. On October 7th, Brian's dad, Christopher Laundrie, left his home early one morning to join law enforcement at the vast Florida Nature Reserve to aid in the search for his son. He met with police at the Myakkahatchee Creek Environmental Park, which is next to the 25,000-acre Carlton Reserve, to help authorities identify any favorite camping spots of Brian's. The family attorney, Bertolino, released a statement saying, Chris was asked to point out any favorite trails or spots that Brian may have used in the preserve. Although Chris and Roberta Laundry provided this information verbally three weeks ago, it is now thought that on-site assistance may be better. The preserve has been closed to the public and the laundries as well, but the parents have been cooperating since the search began. There were no discoveries, but the effort was appreciated by all. It seems the water in the preserve is receding and certain areas are more accessible to search. Hopefully, Brian will be located soon. Why Christopher would only be joining the search for his son weeks after he went missing is a complete mystery. Although we have to point out that his limited participation came after weeks of silence and only after Gabby's family did an interview with Dr. Phil that aired the day before Chris decided to aid in the search. We couldn't find Gabby. What did we do to find Gabby? I mean, we did anything to find Gabby. Everything. We talked to everyone we could, get on as many cameras as we could. What did they do to find Brian? They called the cops, haven't done a thing since. I haven't seen them on any TV shows find Brian. Why do you think that is? The most jarring indication that Brian is in fact hiding and not missing or dead is how calm and quiet his parents seem to be. It feels as though the world is talking about Gabby and Brian and the only people who are not are Brian's parents, Chris and Roberta. Twitter user at KB underscore 12 made a very valid point and tweeted this. Why would the laundry parents be paying for a lawyer to represent Brian Laundrie if they didn't have reason to believe he is alive and well. On Thursday, October 14th, cadaver dogs were seen aiding in the search at the Carlton Reserve at the request of both the FBI and the local Northport Police Department. We are questioning the same things most of the country is. Is Brian still alive? Did he leave the country? Was he ever really in the Carlton Reserve to begin with? Jim, Gabby's stepdad, said this. What happened out there? Until they find him, we won't know. Just turn yourself in. 
Whatever the circumstances are, whatever happened, just go there. Do the right thing. Do the right thing for yourself. Do the right thing for Gabby, for our family, and for your own family. Gabby's mom, Nicole, expressed frustration with the fact that Brian is still out there. People want to know how I'm feeling, and that's, I'm feeling, I'm upset, you know, I want to just turn yourself in. That's all I wanted. But uh, it's just getting more and more frustrating as days go on. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's taking so long. On the morning of Friday, October 15th, police tape had been put up at the north port side of the Myakkahatchee Creek Environmental Park, which gives access to the Carlton Reserve and is in the same area that Brian's dad had accompanied the FBI just a week earlier. Authorities could be seen running in full tactical gear and heavily armed with assault rifles. This was the first time police tape had been seen at the reserve since the search for Brian began although we have no details as to what the authorities may have found. But by Monday, October 18th, things were once again quiet at the reserve, on both the Venice and Northport sides. In the very next morning, on October 19th, the Myakkahatchee Creek Environmental Park was reopened to the public after being shut down for nearly a month during the manhunt for Brian. Josh Taylor said there has been nothing to suggest whether Brian was alive or not. He added that no one had seen him in the reserve and search teams have not found any physical evidence of him either. Josh talked to reporter Brian Enton of News Nation and answered many pertinent questions that we've all been contemplating. How did Brian get away if there was police surveillance on the laundry home? Are Christopher and Roberta Laundry telling the truth? We were doing everything within the law that we could with the facts and the circumstances that were at that time. Certainly what the family has told us is that he drove out to the park and walked out into the woods. I think that is certainly on the table. At this point, everything that I've learned and we figured out is, is I don't know necessarily what to believe anymore. Um, I think it's certainly possible that they're expressing what they know. Um, but we'll see. I mean, th this is an ongoing investigation that will continue to evolve. And, uh, you know, I think you saw yesterday the, the family was out there helping in the search. I think, you know, it's a sign of them trying to work with investigators. So I hope that is, uh, you know, the beginning to, to maybe more of what they know. We've said from the beginning, there's a lot of oddness here, a lot of things that just didn't make sense. I mean, your son walks out there, now they're saying on a Monday, you know, to report that on a Friday, uh, and then be confused on what day that was. I mean, there's a, a lot of things that are odd there. Based on what you do know, do you, do police believe that Brian Laundrie is still alive? It's possible. I, 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 I certainly think that uh, it would not surprise me if he is. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if he's not. It certainly feels as though the police are trying to walk a fine line between not revealing any classified information, not alienating the laundries as to close the avenue of communication with them, and answer the public's concerns and questions, which can't be an easy task.
The public's attention on this case has not subsided. People are still going to the laundry home and placing signs with Gabby's photos, including messages directed to Brian's parents. A recent sign read, Remember me, Gabby Petito? Roberta and Chris, I once lived with you. Protesters and citizens looking for justice for Gabby have made a makeshift memorial for her on the front lawn and left everything from flowers, cards, mementos, and photos. Others have taken the nickname Dirty Laundries, dubbed by John Walsh, quite literally, and left laundry baskets strewn all over their front lawn. Roberta and Chris were seen coming out late at night to clean up the baskets and even removing some of the signs. They received criticism for how cold and callous their actions have been, and it was all caught on cameras by news crews and protesters. Twitter user at wildlife underscore tracks tweeted, It took Christopher and Roberta Laundry two days to remove Gabby's sign, but four days to report their son is missing. Actions speak louder than words. Brian's sister Cassie and her husband James say they have been bombarded with harassment as the hunt for Brian continues. James has told police that he was receiving messages from random people about killing his family and kidnapping his kids. And at the same time, they feel they are becoming estranged from their entire family and thrown under the bus by their parents' attorney. Cassie spoke with ABC News for another interview in which she says she would turn Brian in if she knew where he was, that she wants to tell her brother to come forward. And she wishes he had come to her first when he returned from the cross-country trip alone. I really wish he had come to me first that day with the van because I don't think we'd be here. I worry about him, I hope he's okay, and then I'm angry and I don't know what to think. I would tell my brother to just come forward and get us out of this horrible mess. The last time I physically saw it and the last time I physically spoke to my brother was on the 6th. I've tried to get in touch with him, phone went to voicemail. While Cassie is the only family member who is willing to speak, it's still tough to trust what she is saying, simply because it's difficult to fathom a scenario where she went camping with her brother after he had just returned from a months-long camping trip with his fiancée, and she neglected to ask where Gabby is, or why she isn't camping with them. It seems obvious that she's omitting some details from her account of events, leaving us questioning if anything she is saying is truthful. If you recall, when Brian left for this supposed hiking trip on Monday, September 13th, he had driven the family's Mustang convertible, and as we know, hasn't been seen since. His parents' actions speak volumes. When Brian didn't return from the hike, they said they went looking for him two days later, and they were somehow able to find where Brian had parked the car in a 25,000-acre preserve, the same location that 75 officers from 16 different agencies have been searching for over a month and haven't been able to find anything. They left a note on the Mustang for their son. Then after he still didn't return home, they went back to the location of the car on Thursday, September 16th, and drove it back to their home on Wasabo Avenue. If you thought your child was lost or missing in a vast nature reserve, with dangerous and deadly animals, would you ever take their only mode of transportation without being able to let them know that you did so and simply bring the vehicle back home? Leaving your child stranded? No, you wouldn't. 
unless you knew that they had another mode of transportation or someone was picking them up or somehow knew they were safe and sound. Police left a citation on the Mustang which stated the car was abandoned and needed to be removed. The notice, which was placed on the car on Tuesday, September 14, at 2.42 p.m. at 6968 Riser Town Road in Northport, listed the offense as ORD-42-56. Ashley Banfield on News Nation pointed out that the Civic Code for Abandoned Vehicles states the following. It shall be unlawful for any person to abandon any vehicle upon public property within the corporate limits of the city of Northport, Florida. Any vehicle which is left upon public property for a period of five days or longer shall be presumed to be abandoned. So the question becomes, if the notice was left on the Mustang on September 14th, Does that mean the car had been abandoned for at least five days prior? That would put the Mustang parked at the reserve as of September 10th or earlier. And if so, there are two major things that stand out. First, Brian's parents are not telling the truth about Brian leaving for his alleged hike on September 13th, meaning Brian could have had an even greater head start. And secondly, it could also mean that Brian took off on the 10th, which is the first day a 911 call was made that links Gabby's dad, Joe Petito, to a police incident report involving the laundry home, where Gabby also lived. We don't know any other details of that 911 call because nearly everything but the time and address is redacted due to the open investigation. But we do know that it stemmed from concern expressed by Joe for his daughter's safety. The only other possibility is that the police chose to leave the note on the car even though the car had not been abandoned for five days. Another mystery in this never-ending puzzle. Anyone who may be hiding Brian or assisting him in being on the run should realize that under federal law, concealing a wanted person can result in up to a 10-year prison term. Now, like with everything else in this case, this isn't so straightforward. In Florida, there are state laws that exempt family members from legal action taken against them for harboring a fugitive. However, with the information we have and where the case is at this point, those state laws don't apply to Brian. One thing is for sure, the Laundry's actions, coupled with their silence, is painting a strong picture of guilt. Brian's actions leading up to Gabby's death and on those days when her lifeless body lay in the wilderness at Spread Creek Campground are all we have to go by to determine what could have transpired in her last moments. And what we do know is this. Gabby was last seen on August 27th between 1 and 2 p.m. by Nina Angelo at Mary Piglet's restaurant where Brian was angry and acting erratically and Gabby was visibly distraught and apologetic to the staff. On August 29th, around 5.30 p.m., Miranda Baker picked up Brian while he was hitchhiking in Coulter Bay, and 39 minutes later at 6.09, she dropped him off at Jackson Lake Dam. About 5 to 10 minutes after that, 
Norma Jean Jolovic picked Brian up near the Chapel of the Sacred Heart and drove him back to the Spread Creek campsite. And even though she offered to take him to his campsite, he insisted on being dropped off at the entrance and got out of the car while it was moving. There had to have been a reason he didn't want her to drive to his campsite. It appears as though he may have been trying to hitchhike out of the area and leave the van behind, but couldn't get to where he wanted and decided to go back and take the van instead. Brian abruptly left the cross-country trip alone and arrived home on the morning of September 1st. Sometime after returning from the Laundry family camping trip to Fort DeSoto Park on September 8th, Brian snuck out of their home undetected while the house was under police surveillance and has been on the run since. People are enraged, and rightfully so. Gabby's autopsy results were released on Tuesday, October 12, revealing that Gabby's cause of death was manual strangulation, a manner of death that speaks volumes about the killer. I'm Dr. Brent Liu, uh, Teton County, Wyoming coroner. After a detailed investigation by our forensic pathologist, our anthropologist, and local law enforcement, with assistance from the FBI, the Teton County Coroner's Office is following the following verdict. In the manner of death of Gabrielle Lenora Petito, we find the cause and manner to be cause death by strangulation and manner uh, is homicide. By Wyoming state statute, only the cause and manner of death are released. Their uh, autopsy findings and photographs and that sort of material is not released uh, by state statute. And I'll be glad to entertain uh, some questions at this time. Board certified anatomic and forensic pathologist Priya Banerjee described manual strangulation as up close and personal. It's a lot of anger and very targeted toward the victim. Dr. Dan Field, a board certified emergency physician and an expert witness in strangulation and homicide cases, said killing someone by strangulation is a long, deliberate process. He spoke to Fox News explaining that he's worked on previous cases where manual strangulation was the cause of death. He went on to say, how long does it take for strangulation to kill somebody? The numbers are very, very specific. It takes roughly between 62 and 157 seconds. Dr. Blue explained why it took so long to complete the autopsy, considering Gabby's body was found almost a month ago. Well, the main reason was uh, that we were very exacting in our examination and the detail by which that examination was done. We were waiting for uh, 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 various uh, specialists to come in and, and help us with this investigation. We were waiting on toxicology uh, to be returned and it was just a matter of making sure we had everything right. The, the remains have been uh, 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 returned to the mortuary here, and the mortuary is dealing with the family at this time as far as the disposition of the remains. As far as the uh, time of death, uh, we are estimating three to four weeks from the time that uh, the body was found. Uh, the death certificate has not been completed at this time, and the uh, death certificates of the state of Wyoming allow for 
approximate dates and and uh, uh, variability in those dates. So uh, I doubt, well, there will not be a, a, an exact date of death. From the autopsy results, it is estimated that Gabby was murdered approximately three to four weeks prior to September 19th, the day her body was found, meaning she died sometime between August 22nd to the 30th. Considering that Gabby had a phone call with her mom on August 25th, and she was seen on the afternoon of the 27th at Mary Piglet's Mexican Grill in Jackson, Wyoming, we can narrow down that time frame further. On August 30th and September 1st, Brian was unlawfully using Gabby's debit card, and Brian made the approximate 35-hour drive back to Northport alone, arriving home on the morning of September 1st. According to a search warrant, a license plate reader at the Sumter Boulevard exit of I-75 detected Gabby's white van entering the city of Northport at approximately 10.26 a.m. Considering these events, it is most likely that her date of death would be sometime between the evening of August 27th and the morning of the 30th. While no other details of the autopsy were released, Dr. Blue did shed light on the fact that they are considering this a case of domestic violence. Well, it was quite the media circus uh, and continues to be. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, this is only one of of many deaths uh, around the country uh, of of, uh, people who are involved in domestic violence. And uh, it's unfortunate that uh, these other deaths do not get as much coverage as this one. I'm assuming that because the deceased was a blogger that this received more coverage uh, than others, but uh, there are a lot of uh, both men and women who have lost their lives that aren't covered with this kind of media attention. John Walsh asked a couple of questions attempting to confirm whether or not Brian is the only suspect in the case. You will probably be the most important witness at the trial and I asked you before how confident you feel that Brian uh, Laundry, you know, we, they use the semantics. He was a person of interest. I'm old school. He was the only suspect he ever. And um, I, I, uh, I just wonder, you're going to be the most important guy at the trial, probably. Um, do you have any doubts it's Brian Laundry? I can't make any comment about uh, uh, any suspects because we are not involved in that part of the investigation. We are only involved in the investigation of the uh, body of the deceased. So uh, who committed the homicide is really to be determined by law enforcement. Dr. Blue said that DNA samples were taken by law enforcement and that Gabby's body was outside for three to four weeks. He also confirmed that Gabby was not pregnant, putting to rest some speculation by the public. During the Teton County press conference, even before Dr. Blue was finished taking questions, the Laundry family lawyer Bertolino issued a statement that said, Gabby Petito's death at such a young age is a tragedy 
While Brian Laundrie is currently charged with the unauthorized use of a debit card belonging to Gabby, Brian is only considered a person of interest in relation to Gabby Petito's demise. To this, Gabby's mom Nicole reacted by saying, His words are garbage. Gabby's remains were released to the family following the completion of the autopsy. TMZ reported that Gabby's parents traveled to Wyoming on the morning of Wednesday, October 13th from the East Coast, where they'll retrieve her remains, have her cremated, and then return to New York with her ashes. It is believed that law enforcement will also brief the family on the latest updates in the case. Meanwhile, a body was found near the Appalachian Trail. The FBI had this to say about it. The body discovered along the Blue Ridge Parkway on Saturday is part of an ongoing investigation. At this time, there is no evidence to connect or any reason to believe it is related to the search for fugitive Brian Laundrie. While the FBI is very tight-lipped about their investigation and any details, former NYPD detective Thomas Ruskin told News Nation that police have Gabby's Apple Watch that could reveal some key details. Not only will it help police possibly, depending on how her watch was set up, if the apps were activated at the time, but it potentially could give us more information. It basically could match cell sites and tracking, not only in Brian's phone, but of Gabby's phone and what times they were in certain areas of the park. Now, Grand, uh, the Teton Park, has cellular blackout areas and they were in an undeveloped camping area, which may hamper that type of sophistication. But police now have her watch and can potentially forensically go through it to determine information that exists in her watch. However, police do not have the phone Brian had with him during the couple's trip nor Gabby's phone. Gabby's parents are mourning the death of their daughter, but it's tough when they know Brian is still out there, and the people who would have been their daughter's future in-laws are remaining silent. Gabby's mom, Nicole, and stepdad, Jim, spoke to 60 Minutes Australia and had this to say. I think silence speaks volumes. This, I believe they know probably, if not everything, they know most of the information. I would love to just face-to-face -face ask, why are you doing this? And just tell me the truth. Just want to get him in a, in, a, in a cell for the rest of his life. We want vengeance and him and to justice. be... Justice. Yeah. And justice. And for him to pay for his crimes and to spend it in a prison for the rest of his life. On the morning of Wednesday, October 20th, just one day after the park was reopened, Chris and Roberta decided to go looking for their son at Myakahatchee Creek Environmental Park. They notified authorities of their plans the night before, left their home at 7.15 a.m., and were followed by two plainclothes hikers 
who later revealed themselves to be law enforcement officers. An officer informed Brian's parents that some items belonging to him may have been located along a trail. The laundries later discovered a white bag and a dark colored object after traveling through shrubs at a clearing. They then could be seen putting the object into the bag and handing it over to law enforcement. By 8.45 a.m., the laundries were leaving the park and their lawyer, Bertolino, made this statement. Chris and Roberta Laundry went to the Myakahatchee Creek Environmental Park this morning to search for Brian. The FBI and MPPD were informed last night of Brian's parents' intentions and they met Chris and Roberta there this morning. After a brief search off a trail that Brian frequented, some articles belonging to Brian were found. As of now, law enforcement is conducting a more thorough investigation of that area. The park was once again closed to the public in light of the new discovery. The public is skeptical, finding it very peculiar that authorities found nothing for over a month, but the very first day that the park is open to the public and the parents visit, items belonging to Brian are miraculously discovered. This is what some people had to say. Twitter user Alexis wrote, Anyone have eyes on Cassie yesterday? I swear to God someone either just put the clothing there or the public should just take over for the FBI. Another tweet by Vanessa Frenzel said, Could the parents have planted that clothing to make it look like Brian Laundrie is dead so that the cops will stop searching? I mean, it's kind of odd that after a month, the parents go there and, with a short search, find his clothing. By the afternoon, the medical examiner's office had been called to the location. Mobile command centers could be seen arriving at the park, and a tent had been set up covering one area. Law enforcement confirmed partial human remains were found in the Carlton Reserve in an area that was previously underwater. The remains were found near a backpack consistent with items Brian may have had. By 4.30 p.m., FBI made a statement via Twitter that said, Items of interest were located at the Carlton Reserve this morning in connection with the search for Brian Laundrie. An FBI evidence response team is processing the scene. The reserve is closed to the public and no further details are available at this time. Good afternoon. My name is Michael McPherson. I'm the special agent in charge of the FBI Tampa Division. As you're aware, the FBI and the Northport Police Department and our state and local law enforcement partners have been searching the area of the Carlton Reserve for Brian Laundrie, a person of interest in the murder of Gabby Petito. Earlier today, investigators found what appears to be human remains, along with personal items, such as a backpack and notebook belonging to Brian Laundrie. These items were found in an area that up until recently have been underwater. Our evidence response team is on scene using all available forensic resources to process the area. It's likely the team will be on scene for several days. I know you have a lot of questions, but we don't have all the answers yet. We are working diligently to get those answers for you. We are grateful for the dedication and professionalism of the Northport Police Department, along with our partners from the state and local agencies. Complex investigations such as this cannot be accomplished by one agency alone, but there are just too many agencies 
to name them all here today. Portions of the Mayakahatchee Creek Environment Park and Carlton Reserve will remain closed to the public until further notice. This is an active and ongoing investigation, so we ask the public to maintain distance from any law enforcement personnel, equipment, vehicles, and other related activity for the safety of the public and to protect the integrity of our work. We have no additional comment related to today's activities. Our FBI Denver office is the lead investigative agency and all future inquiries should be directed to them. We appreciate the tremendous support from the public and continue to ask for your assistance in bringing this investigation to close. Thank you. Was the backpack found near the bottom? Justice for our Gabby! Justice, Justice for our Gabby! 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 Justice for our Gabby!